Welcome to Life Without Secrets. Do you often find yourself comparing your life to your friends on social media? You see the glamour, the success, the perfect family, the perfect kids, the awesome vacations. But what's really behind the highlight reel? In Life Without Secrets, we are going to dive deep and reveal the secrets, struggles, and strategies people have used in real life to get to who they are now and who they are becoming. Because the truth is, nobody is perfect. And you are never alone in what you're going through. So don't forget to subscribe to the show because it's time to connect on a deeper level and grow together. Prepare to be blown away. Today, we have the privilege of diving into the fascinating journey of Brian Gulk, a remarkable professional who transformed his life through the power of communication. Brian's story is an inspiring blend of introversion, extroversion, and the secret to success, mastering communication skills. Today, we're going to be chatting about the incredible evolution of Brian's career as his communication abilities blossomed from corporate trainer to sales and even presentations to high-profile clients worth over a million dollars. Brian's journey culminated in his prestigious role as regional vice president of sales. He has shared stages with industry luminaries like Brad Lee, Steve Sims, Greg Reed, Alex Ramosi, and more. And the pivotal moment for Brian was not what you might think. It is his ability to decode facial features. By understanding the subtle signals people's faces convey, Brian not only improved his communication, but also achieved great success in both his professional and personal life. Join us right now as we unravel the profound insights and transformative journey of Brian, discovering the power of effective communication by diving into the world of decoding facial features. I promise you this episode is going to blow your mind, teach you so much, improve your communication skills, your relationships, and also be so much fun. Brian, welcome to Life Without Secrets. Hey, thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm super excited to dive into this. I'm literally always mesmerized with everything that you teach in your talks, on your social media, like your programs. Like speaking of Life Without Secrets, it sounds like we're going to be able to unlock some secrets of the person standing in front of us without having to even speak with them. So I think this is going to be so much fun. Yes. And I'm so excited. So before we dive into decoding facial features, because I know that everybody's going to be dying to hear like, what does that mean? And how do you do that? I want to learn more about you because this is life without secrets. And we all have a story that kind of led us to where we are now. So there has to be a good story behind the guy that actually decodes facial features. So tell us your story and how it led you to what you do now. Sure. So um, growing up, I you mentioned earlier, I'm an introvert and an extrovert at the same time. So I love to be around people and I'm terrified of people at the exact same time. So growing up, like I had a stepdad. It was freaking amazing. He drew the blueprints up to the house. He did like 75% of the construction work. But sometimes the best players aren't the best coaches. So as a kid, I thought, oh, well, I'll work with him on projects and it'll be fun. You know, you see things on movies and he'd be working on something. He'd go, go get me the thing. And he didn't know how to communicate. And so thus, I didn't learn how to communicate. So what does every good introvert do? Picked up books, you know, to try and learn more about people, body language books, how to win friends and influence people, you name it. But I also picked careers where people had to come to me. So I was a server, I worked retail, I was a bouncer, bartender, you name it. And that way I was always kind of watching people and learning about people. And what happened ironically was I got into, I got out of college, worked another job, worked another job, and I ended up going into IT. But what did I pick? Help desk. Why? Because then people have to come to you. 
And through fluke circumstances, a friend was coming to Dallas and she said, hey, let's go to dinner. I show up at the restaurant. She calls, hey, I'm not going to make it. I'm like, oh, here we go. Mm. She's like, no, no, no. You need to come over and meet this guy at the trade show. You need to come here. And I was being stubborn. I said, no, I'm at the restaurant. I already ordered my drink. I'm going to stay here. She said, no, no, you need to come meet this guy. I'm like, why? She goes, because he reads faces. I'm like, oh, yeah, let me rush over there for that one. <laughs> and so I wasn't going to go. And she was very persistent. So I thought, OK, she's in from out of town. I'll drive over there. And if anybody knows me at the time, I lived in part of Dallas called Uptown, which was you did not need a car whatsoever. So I walked everywhere. So I went home, got the car. This was pre-Uber days because it's 2010. And I went over there, but I had the plan of I'm going to prove that this guy's a fraud because I've been reading books. I, if you could see my bookshelf over here, I've got so many books on body language, you name it. And I, I even keep a Janine Driver's book here because I think everybody needs to get a copy of it. So it's you say more than you think. And that's what about examining your own body language. And especially after COVID, people got lazy. And so how do you present yourself when you walk into a room, when you stand, when you sit, you name it. But I went over there. I'm like, ah, I'm going to get this guy. I'm going to prove that he's full of crap. And I got over there. And first off, he's just a really nice. If you ever meet one of those people who just beam that they're a nice person, you want to get to know them. Well, that was my mentor, Mac. So he sat us all down at dinner and he started dissecting everybody to a T, including me. And I'm like, Okay, wait a minute, because I thought this guy was going to use generic Barnum statements like, oh, you've had a hard time in life or, you know, you've had struggles with something. Well, everybody has. But instead, he went person by person and picked different features. And I was looking and then he got to me and I'm like, All right, I'm, I'm going to listen here. And I felt like he knew me because he just told me what my face said. And every single feature, there's 250 features on a face. And they can be combinations of things as well. So overall, yes, you have facial features, eyes, ears, uh, eyebrows, you name it. But this combinations, there's 250 different combinations of features that are there. On top of that, there's 42 muscles under your skin. So the mind creates movement, movement creates muscle. So I was curious. And okay, I sat there and then I bought his book. And he lives in Fort Worth. I live in Dallas, Texas. And I would drive 45 minutes twice a month to do group study with him because this was pre-Zoom and everything else, because I still wasn't sure if this guy was full of it. And But what I would start doing is after I'd learn a lesson is I'd take the book with me. And this is my original book from 2010. So you can see it's got my name on it. And he called it Amazing Face Reading. And it's a good book, but if you aren't with him, like let me show you here, then you can't necessarily see what was in the features themselves. And so I went and studied with them. Yeah. So even nostril sizes, everything tells you a little bit about someone. So I went and I studied with him for all of 2011 and in 2012, I got certified by him, but I take the book with me or more importantly, I would take the flashcards with me and I went somewhere for dinner. I like lay a little flashcard out and people would be curious and go, well, well what is that? I'm like, well, I took this class. I kind of think this guy's full of crap. Can I tell you what it says? And it turns out that it would be right, not 100% of the time, but high 90s. And so I'm like, oh, okay then. So that I thought there was something to it. So I started testing it in personal life, professional life, you name it. And all of a sudden, it's like you could create an instant connection with people. Because this day and age, this device brings us closer together or to the world, but it tears us apart. You know what I mean? Like with distractions and everything else, we're not paying attention to each other. Like if you and I are on the call... I go and put my do not disturbs on because I don't want my phone going off. I don't want my watch going off. So we started losing how to talk to one another and how to have face-to-face -face communication. As I started going in, I went from being on the help desk to 
learning how to install the equipment. I used to, the company I worked for put technology into jails and prisons. So if you can imagine, I'm going past inmates, I'm going past very stoic guards. So there was a little bit of situational awareness, but also kind of looking at people trying to figure out what's going on. Well, then I became corporate trainer. And what I figured out was not everybody learns the same. But I'd start looking at their face and, and figure out, are they audit or are they visual? Do they have larger eyes and smaller ears? Are they auditory? Do they have larger ears and smaller eyes? If this area below here is wide, that's a kinesthetic, a physical touch person. So I would start changing up my words for the person I was talking to, and I found a high success rate. And I'm like, okay, so there is something to this. And then I started using it. But the reason that I named the company Subtle Skills is really nobody knew what I was doing. So it was a combination of body language plus decoding their faces to figure out how do I speak this person's language and even my coworkers. So I worked there for 21 and a half years before I got fired. And we'll talk about that later, but nobody knew what I was doing unless I told them because I was teaching them how to use it. So that's why the company's called subtle skills is because you never have to tell a single person what you're learning, but it's about enhancing communication. So I know I gave you a lot. What do you, what question do you have? Yeah. I mean, this, it's so fascinating to me though. And something like, cause I feel like, you know, as an ER nurse, I'm really good at assessing people, right? That's like part of what I do as a job. I'm trying to read people to see if I'm safe, if they're safe, like, are they like really having pain or like, are they not, you know, like what is actually going on? Is this a psychotic break? Is this like, you know, there's so many different questions that are running through my head. And so I feel like I'm pretty good at reading people. So when I saw like what you do, I found it so fascinating. And I'm like, I have got to learn more about this. And something that I also found really interesting in your story, and that I think is really important for people to hear and also be able to um, use this as a tool in their own life. You, I know that you've had some um, history of some social anxiety, right? And like, that's why you wanted people to come to you and you didn't have to go to them, right? Many people I find hold themselves back due to their social anxiety, not get in the room, not go to that interview, not apply for that job. And so what are some tools or how did this, maybe this is it that helped you kind of step out of your own comfort zone and kind of walk into this because now you're in front of people like in audiences and things. So like, how did that kind of progress and did this help you? Sure. It helped because the worst part about being an introvert is you're stuck in the, in the prison of your own mind in a public setting. And it's because you start overthinking things. But when I'm focused on you, I'm not thinking about me. And so I do love body language. We've talked about it quite a bit. As a matter of fact, Janine and I are working on a course called Read the Face, Read the Room. So it's how do I proactively research the person and what do I need to pay attention to when I'm in the room? But with learning how to decode facial features, it tells me how do I need to talk to you and therefore you can gamify it. And it's not, what do I say? What do I need to do? When I'm making it about you, I'm not thinking about me. And so if you've ever read the book, Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl, what he found is when he was helping take care of patients during the Holocaust, the ones who said, I want to see my wife again. I want to see my husband again. I want to see my kids again. They outlived the ones who just said, I need to survive this place because there is a human need of self-preservation. But when we're in the service of others, we can always do more. So for example, you always hear of, you know, the freak like car accident where somebody lifts a car up because they had this like superhuman strength for a minute. It wasn't for themselves. It was to help someone else out. And that's where we're kind of wired differently is, 
When we're curious about others, we're not thinking about ourselves. When we're doing things for others, we're not thinking about what we don't have. We're thinking about what we're helping someone else with. And that's a real power of this is, I give the example, I used to be a horrible traveler when I was a young kid. I'd go to that country and they should speak English. And if they don't, I'll speak English louder. Like that somehow is going to work. And it doesn't, right? I see that a lot, actually. <laughs> yeah. So, but now what we learned is go somewhere and learn basic phrases. Please, thank you, good morning, good evening, you name it. When you do that, people can tell that you're trying to create that connection and they'll work with you. And it just makes a world of difference of stop accident. And when I say this, it's easy to see in a car salesman or a salesperson where you go, oh, they have commission, but they're just pushing their agenda. But we do it all the time ourselves. So for example, I'm extremely visual. So I'm going to blow up people with memes and text messages and things. So when I was married, she was auditory. And so she wanted to hear, like, for example, let's go say going to the grocery store. If she was going to the store, I had to tell her what I what to get me. If I was going to the store and she told me, I came back with like two of the right things and five of the wrong things. So we had a system. I'm visual. You better text me what you want. You're auditory. I need to tell you what I want. So it's learning how to adjust because we all have the same goal. But are you trying to speak the other person's language? Oh, wow. That's so interesting. Have you ever used it in like, is there something that you read that you're like, oh man, I don't want to approach this person? Like, can it also be used like as like a safety thing? Like, let's say we're out somewhere and we're like, is that any useful at all? There can be um, where there's a few features that you, if I saw them in combination. So when, when we talk angled eyebrows, plus a downturned nose, plus a pointed chin. Well, if you look at every picture of a witch, a devil, something like that, I'm going to pay attention to that person. Now, the difference is unlike what's known as phrenology, phrenology was whatever bumps you were born with in your head that identified you for life. This is more of how do you take in information? How do you process information? How do you think? So somebody with a downturned nose, the reason they draw those on a lot of villains and everything is they think, well, I only have air for me. And if I see somebody with a downturned nose, there's a chance that they're the way that they process information is the means and justify or the end justifies the means. So they're kind of a, hey, you got to break a few eggs to make an omelet type of mentality. Versus you see some other features where people are so focused on everything on their face as they think about everyone else and not themselves. Well, we need all kinds of people in the world. Now, for me personally, I don't, if I see, let's say in a dating capacity or anything, somebody who's got a very full upper eyelid and I don't have much of one, and then they've got a really deep line right here. So this is the verbal affirmation line. If you've ever read the five love languages, very full upper eyelids are we people want to do everything together. That's not my speed because I travel, you know, for work. Um, I need my alone time and I like my quality time with people. So I would have to have that conversation early on to say, hey, you know, and I wouldn't say because your eyelid, but I would just say, hey, just so you know, the kind of person I am, I have, you know, I travel alone when I'm out, I'm going to go to dinners, I'm going to network. And then when I come back, sometimes I'm tired, I'm going to need a day or two to myself. So, you know, I won't have as much free time to do things together. But if I'm doing something locally and I forget to invite you, just remind me from time to time. That's the type of conversation you can have. And you don't have to go. It's because your eyelid that, <laughs> but you can look for what do you have in common and what's different. So you can have those difficult discussions early on instead of way late in the relationship. 
You know, this is so interesting and I love that you're applying this to dating. And I all I find a lot of times like when you look at couples, they actually look similar. Have you noticed that? Like and now I'm thinking like there has to be some science behind that because they probably matched, right, with their facial facial features. <laughs> So I, I'm, I tiptoe around science because it's not a hundred percent, but it's, so it's based on something known as physiognomy and physiognomy has been studied since the Greeks. So the difference between it and like body language wasn't around then, but we learned it. And so people go, well, it's not scientific, neither is body language, but look at all the people who have shown that body language can help you understand other people. Phrenology I mentioned earlier. So if you ever go into the store and you see the little white statue with like, um, all the squares on their head, that's what's known as phrenology. Phrenology didn't, wasn't even quote unquote discovered until the 1700s. And it was immediately discarded. Like it didn't even last a hundred years. The crazy part about physiognomy, AKA face reading is it's been around since the Greeks and it's still taught in some academic institutions now. And it used to be part of the everyday education system until Henry VIII said, I don't like the idea that beggars and vagabonds can misuse this skill. So it was part of our regular education system. He had it yanked out. It came back during the Renaissance age with someone named Lavatier. And then because of the phrenology thing, they said, okay, well, let's just throw out faces at the same time that we throw out uh, head, which is phrenology. Um, so back to your, the dating part, I got so tired. What happened during the pandemic? People suddenly went to online dating. Now I've never been on a single dating app in my life. But I created a course called Looking for Love and All the Wrong Faces.com because I wanted to teach people. I got so tired of people reaching out to me going, What does this face say? What does this face say? That I went ahead and just created a course, right? If enough people ask, go ahead and create it. So that's what I ended up doing. And um, yeah, so it's just a basic ones of like, okay, we talked about eyelids. Well, there's there's three basic shapes of eyebrows. Now there's in the book, there's multiple pages of eyebrows, right? Or even on the flashcards, like. What do straight eyebrows mean? What do rounded eyebrows mean? So the cool thing about the cards, and I recommend these over the book because the book can be overwhelming, but like you can see, okay, here's the feature and then you can flip it over and say, okay, what does that feature mean? And just so everybody knows, this is going to be on YouTube and he's holding up a picture with a straight eyebrow, but yes, but yeah, go to the YouTube and, and check this video out for sure, because this is one you are definitely going to want to catch there. Sure. But we can do it for the auditory people. So there's three basic shapes of eyebrows. If someone has straight eyebrows, they like you to get straight to the point. Facts, figures, details. If they have angled eyebrows, like I have. See, so I have angled eyebrows. What's are my angle? What are mine considered? So that's why I was looking. Right now, your screen is blurry for me. So I'm, what it? I can do in a minute is I can pull up your your Instagram. Yeah. And we can I'm, steal a few pictures from that. And I'll show you, I'll, okay, I'll show so you how I dice decode faces. Yeah. So straight eyebrows get straight to the point. I have angled eyebrows. What's my angle? Help me understand it. And then the third one is rounded eyebrows. And rounded eyebrows, people think about the people around them. So when you're talking to someone, you can know, let's say like I'm going to a hotel and I want to upgrade. If they've got a straight eyebrow, I say, I want an upgrade. Why? Get straight to the point. If they have an angled eyebrow, are you the person who has the authority to help me get an upgrade? Right? If they have a rounded uh, eyebrow, they think about other people first. You walk up and go, oh, such a long flight or such a long drive. I wish that there was just a way I had more space. I could stretch out and kind of walk around the room. So I'm asking for an upgrade, but I'm going to ask three different ways based on what their eyebrows tell me. Oh my goodness. I love this yeah. so much. I think my <laughs> husband has straight eyebrows. He's very to the point. 
I think I looked the other day because there's a picture of you guys. Because again, I reverse talked to you before I jump on the podcast. Yeah. And uh, I want to say that's right, but we'll pull up pictures here in a minute. Right. Oh my gosh. That's so yeah. fun. <laughs> so it's, um, you just learn to look at people and go, okay, I know what I have. So I have the angled eyebrow. So I always want to talk about like, what's my angle? Help me understand it first. But that's not the way everybody is. So if using it for like car sales, if somebody comes in, they have straight eyebrows. Then talk about, are you interested in the interest rates, the payments, horsepower, gas mileage? If it's angled eyebrows, what's the most important thing for you in a vehicle today, right? You ask them, what's their angle? If they've got the rounded, oh, wait till your friends and family see you in this new car. Yeah. Or is the car for you alone? Who's going to be your passenger? So you can, you're still selling a car, but you ask people differently. Yes. And the number one, what people are going to ask is, well, a few things. Well, I go and get my eyebrows done. Yes, but they don't just say, okay, well, you've got straight ones. Let's give you a different one. And the other one is, well, you're just born that way. And I can show you a picture of me at 18 versus 38. I used to have straight eyebrows as a kid, but they change over the time. So I mentioned earlier, 42 muscles in the face. The mind creates movement. Movement creates muscle. So when our parents said, stop making that face or it'll get stuck that way, there's some truth to that. And so our faces constantly change over time. That's why if you've ever seen someone who's left a toxic relationship and that can be personal or professional and you see them, you go, man, you look like a new person. That's because they stop frowning. They start smiling. And slowly those things happen over time. Like nobody's born looking like a grumpy old man. What happens is you frown a lot and then your face starts to change. And people go, oh, no, faces can't change. I don't know if you remember the Jawsercizer that, you know, was a big popular thing. Yeah. Like two years ago. Well, what did that do? All it did is had people chew and it created a jawline. So what's that based on? It didn't change the muscle. I mean, the bone, it changed the muscles surrounding it. Well, when we make faces over and over again, we start to repeat that and muscle memory kicks in. So just like if you go to the gym, right, you, you meet the guys got the big upper body, little tiny legs. Well, it's the exact same thing with this. So, there's just times where, uh, you know, it's hard to believe and hard to understand. But when you start digging into it, look, I was the biggest skeptic because, again, I went to go prove this guy wrong and I still didn't believe him, but I started testing it. And what I saw was success. And what ended up happening is I started doing this for free. Like I would just train people. And because I wanted the skill to go on because I knew it changed my life and I wanted to change the lives of others. So a year uh, last November, not this past one, but a year ago, I got fired. And uh, we can go into some conspiracy theories as to why that is. But one of them was a, a video went viral when I was at an event and somebody wanted to keep interviewing me. And all of a sudden I got fired a week later. But um, it was one of the best things that happened. It's I had golden handcuffs. I was at a job I hated the last two years. I'm talking daily hate. But I made good money. And, you know, so you have golden handcuffs. And what am I going to do? And for anybody who's ever in that spot of what's going to happen when you get fired, it sucks. It's not a, a, because you feel shame with it, but it wasn't as scary in real life as what I pictured in my head that if it ever happened. You know, now, of course, full transparency, I cashed out one of my 401ks uh, because I wanted to see, can I do this speaking full time? So that's all I did in 2023. And I did a lot of stuff for free while I was building the audience up. But when you can go somewhere, I was asked in 2012 on a date once, what do you want to do with your life? Because I want to travel the world and teach people something. And that's what I get to do now. And the main difference is 
I used to be told what rooms to be in and what limitations I had. Now I get to be in rooms I want to be in and I'm blown away by what people are capable of that maybe I'm capable of as well. Oh my goodness. I love that. And it's like when one door closes, another one's open. We just have to have the choice and the belief in ourselves to walk through it. And that, what a gift that you're giving people. Yeah. My big recommendation to anybody, regardless of career, is have a hobby or have a second source of income. Because had I not had this idea that I wanted to do something, it would have been devastating. I mean, it was still a kick in the gut. Don't get me wrong. But I go, okay, well, now I don't have the excuse of what was holding me back before. Because I'd always say, well, I don't want to mess up my job. Well, somebody made that decision for me. And truthfully, if they hadn't, I'd probably still be there today and just as miserable because, you know, there's that comfort and you have that salary that comes in. So it wasn't like I just made this grand leap. It was more like I was pushed off the ledge. (laughs) There's a testament to like now, like looking back at your story and being like grateful for that experience, right? Which it sounds weird to some people to be like, you're grateful you got fired. And it's like, well, at this point, like, yeah. And I mean, I could say that about my own life story too. You know, it's like, I, I'm at the point in my life where I'm like super grateful for the things that happened to me because they made me who I am, who I'm becoming and what I do now. Like, and I wouldn't be here if those things didn't. So I think that's such a good point. And you have so many tools now that you not only use in your own life, but that you give to others, which I think is like, that's what we're here for, right? Like we're here to connect with people and like grow together. A hundred percent agree. I'm stealing pictures of you. So if anybody thinks I'm just not paying attention, I'm stalking you over on Instagram right now. I love it. Okay. Now you're my professional stalker. We traded roles here. I was asking him a bunch of questions before we got on the podcast and he's like, okay, you're now the uh, professional stalker. I'm like, I'm good at it. Watch out. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like uh, women as a whole are better at than guys are, but you know. I know. We Uh, should really be those private investigators. here. All right. So- now I'm curious what picture you have. I just <laughs> grabbed one from a video. So while you were okay, talking, cool. yeah. Uh, so I want to go. This share. is going to be fun, you guys. We're going to listen, re- learn about Jill here, Jillian, on yeah. as my for my facial features. All right. So let me see. Share. Oh, All right. So that. you can you can see the screen here. Okay. Perfect. Oh, there right. we are. Yes. All right. So there's several things. Like I said, this was you talking in the the midst of it, right? So it's not, and this is what I do recommend is for people go to Instagram or LinkedIn, because if I went and found you on, sorry, don't go to LinkedIn, go to Instagram or Facebook. And the reason for that is if I was going to go look at you on LinkedIn, I don't know how recent is the picture. Is it new? Is it old? You name it. But we're going to point out a few things that we see right here. So the first thing that stands out, and this is just what stands out in my mind, is both of your eyes angle up. So when people's eyes angle up, they want to hear about the upside of things. And so if I come in talking too much negativity too fast, mentally you shut down. Now you're nice, so you're going to nod and everything, but mentally you've left the building. So I know, start with the positive. And then if I had to deliver bad news, start with positive, work my way down to negative, and then try and bring it back up. So almost like the sandwich technique. Okay, so this is really reasons. funny because I want my number one strength on like a Clifton, Clifton strength. Um, you know, when you go on there and t- do your test, my number one strength is positivity. <laughs> there you go. Your face tells us that. And I'll show you pictures of me before. Um, like I said, uh, so then the other part I see here is this is called the self will pad. So see how it's a fleshy area between your eyebrows. 
So that is this area right here. Well, when there's that much space between, that's somebody who is always thinking, what else should I be doing? What else should I be doing? What else should I be doing all the time? Like I have a hard time just kind of sitting down and going, okay, things are fine. Now, what's really interesting is the only person who thinks more than you do is if somebody has a unibrow. And that is because it connects right brain and left brain. Like, so they've actually done studies where if people pluck their eyebrows between that, it almost like stops the connection between the brain. The body's a fascinating thing, but that's why every time you hear like revenge of the nerds or anything like that, what do they have? They have the unibrow. What does it mean? Mentally smart and calculated. So it's funny that we know these things. And that's because every book you've ever read as a kid, every cartoon you've ever seen, we were told what a person looks like by the cartoon, or sorry, we're told by the author in a book, two things about the characters, their actions and their facial features. So we'd say with their downturned nose and their pointed chin, or we would say with their chiseled jaw and their strong uh, chin. So we know based on what the characters did to associate with their faces. That's why if you've ever read a book and the casting agent wants to put in the hottest celebrity instead of what we were told in the book to look for in that person, we don't like that book or we don't like the movie because we already pictured what the character looks like because we were told color hair, eyes, and we'd say things like got a big mouth, small mouth, large nose, small nose. You know, every book you've ever read, they couldn't really describe the characters through their Gucci clothing and their red bottom shoes because in most books, men wore suits, women wore dresses. It was very strategic. There wasn't much to do except for expand on facial features and actions. So when I talk about physiognomy, who is it taught to? Authors, Edgar Allan Poe, Charles Dickinson. You can tell by their writing that they took courses in it. Um, attorneys are taught this for jury consulting. So I mentioned Mac earlier, the gentleman that taught me. He was an attorney who learned this for jury consulting and ended up loving it so much, he walked away from law. And he taught this around the world. Yeah. So, um, sorry, I got distracted, but going back to you. <laughs> no, I love learning about it. It's so interesting. Yeah. So you also have an upturn. Oh, let me change back to arrows here. You also have an upturned nose. So when people, there's two things that makes perfect sense as to why you went to the profession you did. And I'll explain those in a second. First part is your nose angles up a little bit. Well, when noses are angled up, it's like telling other people, I have air to share. And so people come up and will talk to you because they see that area. Now we don't subcon or we don't consciously know that's why we do it, but that's one of the reasons why. So people know if the nose is up a little, then they're up for listening to anything. And so they've got air to share, which is what is air? It's time, attention, things of that nature. Then we get rid of so that. So it's not my it's not my bright pink jacket then that I wear. I no, always thought no. people well, came up to me there. I'm like, I think it's this bright pink jacket. <laughs> well, I definitely I have to introduce you to my friend Brandy. She wears pink all the time too. And people know, like, okay, well, that's also an approachable person, but this is more what your face is. Um High and wide rounded cheeks. So the, the larger part of your cheeks are out here and they're what's known as healer cheeks. So not only do you have high and wide cheeks, cheeks are like from as, as far away from the nose as the cheeks go, kind of tell you their energy level. So if somebody's cheeks are inset, like here, they're more of marathoners. Go, 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 take a break. Go, 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 take a break. Yours are way out here. So you're a marathoner. Keep going and going and going. But the fact that they round out here at the very end, that's what's known as healer cheeks. So I just did a video on this on Instagram. So if anybody goes to the subtle skills, what I talk about is the rounded cheeks on the outside. You look at Santa Claus, Mrs. Claus, Mother Goose, people who take care of others have the big rounded cheeks out here. 
And does that mean I like to like heal others or what does that mean? Other people know that you will help take care of them. So they know you'll listen because your nose angles up and then the high and wide rounded cheeks out here. That's what we see on Santa Claus, Mrs. Claus, Mother Goose, any caretaker in a cartoon or story has those rounded cheeks out here. Oh my gosh. So interesting. Yes. Then, um, Good, strong jaw right here, so don't have to walk on eggshells around you. Super, oh, sorry, chin. I said jaw. I was looking here. I was already going to my next part. You're stubborn. So once <laughs> this yeah, part here I am is stubborn. Jaw, <laughs> once you make up your mind, you latch in, and that's what creates that really strong jaw. So you don't waffle easily. Once you make up your mind, you, mm-hmm. it's hell to get you to change your mind on things, right? Yeah, you are correct. I need to stop saying right because it sounds like I'm trying to force it. And I realized I was watching a video and I said, right, 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 right. I actually have had people say that about me. So I think it's just conversational. (laughs) It is. Uh, Here, not a lot of upper eyelids. So we mentioned earlier, uh, the more lid you see, the more they think in terms of we. So you've got an, an even one, like you've got a little bit, but not a lot. So you're fine doing things by yourself. You're fine doing things part of a group. You don't have to do anything one way or the other. But if I were to see no upper eyelid, I'd know you prefer to do things by yourself. And then people can join you. It's a bonus, but you've got a good mix of both. So we talked about forehead. Um, now, see, look over here, your eye looks more rounded. Now, this one I can't see, and there's two sides of our face. So if we draw an imaginary line down our face here, this would be your personal side. So an easy way to remember if I said, hey, are you married? It's a personal question. So this side of your face is your personal side. So if, when you think it's wherever a wedding ring would go, it, if you ask me, am I married? It's a personal question. This is the personal side of your face. This is always the professional side. So the, where your right hand is always the, the business or professional side of your face. So when we're looking at this is your personal side. Now you're pretty symmetrical. So looking at both sides, you're pretty much the same. Both eyes angle up. I just can't see that eyebrow. But now if I zoom in, let me see if I can zoom in a little bit here. Hold on. Uh, change to 200%. Okay. So. Oh boy. This, I know. We're, this di- area, we're diving in close. <laughs> yeah. This area right here, see how that part of your eyebrow looks like it's trying to escape from the rest of your eyebrow. So that, <laughs> that's what it looks like here. Now, does it, do you have that in real life or no? Does it angle away from the rest of your eyebrow? Yeah, I have that in real life. And so I okay. try to fill it in with my eye, eye pencil. So what that is, is. That's called access hairs. And so what it means is when you have access hairs there, it's somebody that even though you like rounded and taking care of other people, you go by your gut when you're making a decision. So if I was trying to sell you something, I would say, hey, what does your gut tell you on this? Because when you see that, they're like feelers on, a, uh, um, and this is not a younger audience isn't going to get this, but cars used to have uh, hubcap feelers, right? So basically you knew if you were going to hit a curb because the little feeler was there ahead of time. But when you see that on somebody, you know that's somebody who goes with their gut. And that's wow. that right there. This is amazing. Okay, I have a question because nowadays, like, so I am, I also do aesthetics. And so, like, Botox and lip and lip filler and all that jazz. Does that, like, affect any of this stuff? Because I'm like, we, like, we're, like, you know, not trying to use the muscles. And then we fill our lips. How does that relate to this? So the number one plastic surgery right now is lip enhancement. And the reason for that is because we have an upper lip here, and this is our personal one. This is our professional lip. So you can literally look at someone, and here's where we talk about faces all the time. 
If I said, hey, keep a stiff upper lip, it means be stoic. Don't share your emotions. So if somebody has a very flat upper lip and you ask them a lot of personal questions very fast, they're going to back away. Like, well, why do you need to know that? So that's why lip enhancement is the number one plastic surgery. Now you can look at older women in their 80s. Let's go with late 70s, early 80s. They'll draw with lipstick, larger lips than they actually have. So we don't, yeah, that's the whole reason why they do that is because of the fact of, okay, well, we don't know. Nobody says, hey, go do that with your lip. But let's go to a few years ago before lip enhancement was a big deal. What do girls do? Duck lip, right? So we have some consciously know that about our lips is that's what it's there for. So now when it, when we are trying to make our upper lip bigger, does it say anything about us then? Or like, can we still like determine their facial feature to mean something if they've had the enhancement? Yes. What you're basically doing is you're telling the world how you want to be treated. So for example, yes, there is, it's a combination of affect and effect, right? So one is what does it say about me to the rest of the world? And then how how do I want the world to treat me are two different things. So I'm going to grab a, a different slide real fast. Give me a minute. Don't save. Where was I? I, don't I definitely that. have a bigger bottom lip than my upper lip. And I have had um, some filler in my top lip. Life without secrets, everybody. So I'm like, and I like that it's like more personable, right? I'm like, uh-huh. so that's interesting to me. So I'm going to pop up, uh, let me see, what was the good one I just did? Uh, okay, here we go. I'm going to pop up one more screen, and then uh, I know we're going to have to wrap it up here in a few minutes. But I want to show you something. All right, so when we look at faces, this is the 42 muscles under the face. Like we talked about, the mind creates movement, movement creates muscle. That's an example of what it looks like. So I'm just moving some things over so I can see both screens. Okay. So then I mentioned earlier, met my mentor, Mac. He learned it for uh, to be attorney. He ended up leaving law, teaching around the world. We talk about faces all the time. So faces are like a map. And it is, where have you been and where are you today? It can't predict the future. It can't do anything like that. But it is learned by authors and artists because they had to learn how to draw everyone. And so if you think about it, we've been trained our entire life on how to understand people based on their faces. We just didn't formally know that. So as I mentioned before... See, I used to have straight eyebrows when I was a kid. Oh my gosh, how interesting. And look, my eyes angled down severely because my parents raised me in an environment to say, hey, go for what you want, but what if it doesn't work out? What's your backup plan? So they were a lot more of worrying about if it didn't work out than just being, hey, go for it. So if you look over time, my eye, this one's my professional eye, right? Because it's not where a wedding ring would be. It angles up and this one is evened, but look how much they used to angle down on both sides. My ears used to be larger. This is That's called a heart so line. Crazy. Right here. Oh yeah. This is called oh a heart gosh. line. So if you see that on anybody, it means that they have cardiovascular health that they need to keep an eye out on. Oh yeah. The ear. Yes. I know that. Yep. See, so you've gotten some experience. Um, now this is a slide I want to get to. So you're asking about lip enhancement or Botox. So Botox just paralyzes the muscles temporarily lip enhancement. I can tell, but most people can't tell right now. What a lot of them do that's really interesting is I actually follow on Instagram, a few people who do lips that I've met in person and they started putting in the cupid's bow, which is this little area right here. So it's because when we see that it's a subconscious error, it says, listen to me when I talk. But the reason for these two slides is makeup is no different than plastic surgery. So when every day when you get up, 
you see yourself while you're putting the makeup on, but it's not for you. It's you telling the world, these are the features that I want to enhance and I want you to pay attention to every day. Okay. This makes so much sense because um, when I put on my eyeliner, I always angle my like little uh, top eyeliner upwards, like on the sides because I that makes it's positivity, right? <laughs> I didn't even know I was doing that, but it makes so much sense. So we subconsciously know these things. And I use this example. Uh, this isn't my daughter, but we had her sixth birthday party or her fifth birthday party. We had a face painter there. And once they painted her face like a tiger, she not only felt like one, but when she ran around, she'd go, Rah! but people walk and go, oh no, a tiger. Makeup's the same thing. So you're telling the people what to pay attention to in your face, and that's what people will respond to, just like face painting on kids. Wow. That's so interesting. And that's why women will create a Cupid's bow, which is like – it's almost like having a V in the middle of your – a downward, right? Um, the Cupid's bow. Uh, and people will use like lip liner to kind of enhance that area, right? Yep. So I'm going to show you just real fast so you can see it because we've talked about it. And I know we got to wrap up here in a second. But so with eyebrows, if I take away that one feature, look how different people look. Yeah, they need some help. <laughs> yeah. And so you can take a look at someone and take away one feature and we yeah. don't feel like we can talk to the person. That's yeah. how much attention we pay to eyebrows. And because I showed you this one and it scares people a lot, I like to make up for it with this one. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, the babies with eyebrows. Oh my yes. goodness. Yeah, that's so true. They don't necessarily have eyebrows. Right. So you can take a baby that's laughing and smiling like right here, draw yeah. angled eyebrows on and it looks like an evil laugh, right? Oh, so and that like based on their environment and things like they could then have straight eyebrows, curved eyebrows, that sort of thing. Absolutely. But we can go beyond that. Why are all babies born with large eyes, but then they adapt over time? It's because when they're born, if they're lucky enough to have sight, that's the only way to take in the world. Then they learn to understand sounds. Then they learn to make sounds. So that's when, as you adjust over time, you kind of find out what calls to you. So if you become an auditory kid who loves music and everything else, ears will grow. But if you're more of a, like, uh, what do kids do when they, after they learn, they put things in their mouth. So if you're a kinesthetic, hands-on learner, you'll have that wide area right here. So that's where different thing, uh, facial features can adjust over time. So I showed you my own face. You know, I used to have straight eyebrows, and I did want you to get straight to the point. But when I became a corporate trainer, that's when I learned, okay, what's my angle? Help me understand it before I can teach it to anyone else. So angled eyebrows don't necessarily mean it's that someone's a narcissist or they're evil or anything like that. It just means they have to understand what's their angle so then they can help others afterwards. Mm. This is so fascinating, Brian. Like how can people connect with you and learn more about you? Because like, first of all, they have to be following you on social media. It is the best page. I love like going and watching your stuff. It's so much fun. But how can people like contact you um, and like find out what you do, maybe learn about this further? Everything is subtle skills. Now, for some reason, people can't spell subtle. So if you want to go download the cheat sheet, it's literally getthecheatsheet.com. And that will teach you about the eyebrows, the mouth, a few other features that are there. But you can go, if you want to just follow, I'm subtle skills on everything. Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. The only thing that I'm Brian Galk yet was LinkedIn. And why, if I had to go and do it all over again, I would have done everything as Brian Galky, but I had imposter syndrome. And I had that fear of it was easier for me to post as subtle skills 
the scariest thing was for me to ever share it on my own personal stuff. But that's where the power is. That's where where I used to worry about people judging me and everything else. And there's people who are going to judge you no matter what. But the amount of people who offered to help when they found out what I did overpowered the ones that are going to be haters. So I love that. Well, this has just been so incredible and so transformative. So thank you so much for coming on today. Of course. Thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to it. Right. This has just been such a gift. Listeners, I hope you found inspiration in Brian's experiences and the valuable tips he shared for decoding facial features and mastering the art of communication. Remember, the ability to connect with others goes beyond words. It's about understanding the subtle cues that lead to meaningful connections. I will put Brian's uh, Instagram and the um, website on the show notes. So be sure to check that out and we will see you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Life Without Secrets. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. That helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Once again, thanks for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode.